0: start by being honest with ourselves. As a nation, for decades, we were perfectly happy to write off whole neighborhoods, whole cities, whole generations of young men and women. As long as it was an inner city problem, an urban problem, which is to say, a black people problem, a brown people problem. Send them to prison, into a system from which they'll never return. Maybe now, now that it's really come home to roost. Now that it's the high school quarterback, your next door neighbor, your son, your daughter, now that grandma's as likely to be a junkie as anybody else, we'll accept that there has never been a real war on drugs. War on drugs implies an us versus them. And all over this part of America, people are learning there is no them, there is only us. And we're gonna have to figure this out together. Hello, my name
1: is Tyrone. And uh, I'm on a BPPW, uh, where you can get your heating cooling needs met at very reasonable rates. Um, this is my show or our show called Tyrone, and 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 uh, with me are two millennials, uh, Leroy Myers, who's now in Oklahoma. He's a graduate student and teaching assistant at the University of Oklahoma. His area of study is the dynamics of the intersection of African American and Native American history. Say hello, Leroy. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Got you. And uh, Zachary Leacock, who is a social media entrepreneur who majored, whose major was audio production, radio, TV, and film at Howard University. He is a social causes vegan and producer of the Channel 10 podcast, a, pa- a podcast which features interviews with pioneering rap artists. He is also a hip hop historian, the chronicler of the hip hop scene in Baltimore.
2: Hello. Um, good, uh, happy Monday, everybody in Baltimore.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. Uh, that that clip that you heard was the uh, uh, it's from the uh, Anthony Bourdain clip, and uh, I think the reason why I play that is because uh, for the most part um, we've kind of I've been sleeping on, on the war on drugs and the importance of it, and um, uh, and today's show is not going to be about drugs per se. It's going to be about the seven hundred million dollars that the city is supposed to be getting from as as per Governor Hogan from the state of Maryland to uh, tear down houses and, uh, and for redevelopment. And we'll be, um, the show's going to be an hour this, this week, so if you want to call in, feel free to call in. The number is 410-481-1010. 410-481-1010, if you want to call in and express your views. Um, and uh, the reason I say we've been sleeping on this is, if you look at Baltimore City, Baltimore City, they, they said, just Baltimore City alone, they said that uh, there's 11,000 attics in Baltimore City. Now, if you think about that, the city is 600,000 people. And in a city of 600,000, that's a lot of addicts. Okay, so that it, this, this isn't... Uh, I, know, I know a lot of people think that this doesn't impact them, but it does. The, the war on drugs does affect you. It actually does. And, um, you know, some of the things that they're saying, and, and I, you know, I'm taking some of the stuff from... Uh, just some of the stuff i gleaned from the sun paper. Um, uh, well, they want to... What they want to do is they want to take... Seven hundred million dollars, and um, they want to take uh, uh, what ninety-four million and actually tear down the houses. Right. So I want people to understand that six hundred million is going to. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. Uh, b- making green spaces and giveaways to developers. Okay. So that's just that's just uh, get that. That's that's just clear that up because from what I can glean, you know, there. This is. To me, it looks like a justification uh, project. Now, they say, and, and just reading the article, they say that, uh, uh, that they don't have a plan yet to, to deal with bringing people back to affordable housing. And there is a, a problem with affordable housing in Baltimore City. Uh, and one of the things that, that Governor Hogan said on Tuesday when they announced that $700 million in Santana Winchester was that uh, the level of, investment, this level of investment in Baltimore's poorest neighborhoods. Some say it's unprecedented. And um, what they want to do is to, to share a thousand buildings and replace them with, the, uh, with uh, new development. Now, I would submit that the problem with Baltimore City isn't the buildings, <laughs> it's the social economic conditions that the people that are living in the buildings are enduring and they're living under for the most part. Um, you, <laughs> you know, and, and don't think they're just giving this money away because out of the kinds of their heart. What happened is we had a riot, people. We had an uprising. And uh, you had people um, who were, you know, that were, I guess you could say, fed up. For, for one thing, <laughs> one thing. Uh, what happened with the riots is you had a—the bus service stopped from Douglas High School. So you had a couple hundred kids that couldn't get home. Nobody even thought of that. So that's disrespectful to our children. You tell them they can't get home. You know, you get home the best way you can. And then some of the police actually went on the bus and threw them off the bus. Okay, so they go down to uh, North Avenue. Of course, if you're a kid, you'll go down North Avenue, and you'll try to catch the bus there at Penn North, which is in the next major hub. And they weren't allowed to catch the bus there. So they're basically stranded. And that's, that's totally disrespectful to our children. Again, I don't know why we weren't outraged about this. And um, so you, the next thing as a kid, what you'll do is you'll say, oh, I'll shout is to Psychology 101. Okay, there's a store over there, CVS. Let me go over there and give me a soda or something. At least I can't get home. And you know what CVS is going to do. They're going to say only three of y'all come in here at a time. So... That's going to spark, you know, all kinds of nonsense. You know, just that, just that, that whole, I think that's what actually ignited the riots. Freddie Gray was a, yeah, Freddie Gray was a part of it, but that was the last straw. And uh, if you know, I mean, if you realize it, ground zero for the riots was at the CVS and it, it was burned to the ground. So um, I don't know about you, but if somebody told me I couldn't get home, and stop my transportation, told me to get out of my car, I would be very upset. Especially the police, the reason why they couldn't go to Mondawmin is the police were staging ride gear at Mondawmin. And that's why they couldn't get the uh, the subways and whatnot at the hub, the major hub at So the reason they're getting this $700 million, again, is not because of the beautiful work of our politicians, you know, our our, our black politicians and whatnot. It's, It's because of the uprising. It's basically these kids were able to do in a matter of weeks what our politicians have been trying to do we're the past 40, 50 years and we're unsuccessful. Okay, so so let's not get it twisted. And um Zach, you like
2: you wanna comment? Yes, yeah, so the piggyback off of what you were saying, um, with the seven hundred million dollars uh that's uh being uh given for redevelopment and only $94 uh million of that is uh going to the demolition of houses, um historically you see where the money in the city tends to go. So, Baltimore received 1.8 billion dollars from the stimulus package, and the zip code of 21201 uh, received the most funds, uh, which was over 800 million dollars of that. Uh, so, you see, exi-
1: you guess where that's at? You look at the Inner Harbor, okay? You <laughs> look at the Inner Harbor. Look how beautiful it is down there, okay? And then when you start concentrating things that make that that for profits and and things that don't that are inanimate objects, not people. This is what you get. Who
2: right. is that? So, exactly. You see where the money has historically gone. So now, when you see that uh, of this new money that's being given by the state, you see 94 million of it has a specific allocation, which is to knock down the houses. And then for the rest of it, they don't really have a concrete plan. They just say that it uh, first they're going to have green spaces, and then uh, they're going to fund the money into various redevelopment um, uh it, uh, programs and initiatives. What exactly are those? Because we see historically where the money tends to go when you have this type of situation. So if you don't actually have a plan uh, for what's going to happen next, uh, to me it just seems like history will re- will I repeat itself.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, Leroy. Um, yeah, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, still focusing on his plan and how vague it is. Um, also, a lot of his financing um that the government is talking about um it's not exactly direct state funding and so a lot of it is nothing more than you know subsidized uh financing and um i'm really interested with the term green spaces um because you know we're all all three of us were baltimoreans and um we've seen you know many um lots of you know vacant lots all throughout the city that become overgrown. and when it comes to these these kinds of plans you know um People fail to recognize that employment, education, transportation, and public health, are all intertwined. So um, let's say if they have these green spaces, what will they do with them? Will they become overgrown? Um, if, they, if they are allowed to grow over time, how will this affect public health within um, these areas?
2: Right. And then if the green spaces are actually being tended to, uh, I was reading an article in the Baltimore Sun uh, that stated that oftentimes when you do create these green spaces and in certain communities, they have created community gardens and things of that nature. uh, Once those things are created and established, uh, the green spaces are only temporary. So then they get taken away for redevelopment by developers who um, are actually, you know, taking over the land. So uh, there's two sides to that issue as well with these uh, green spaces, which, you know, does seem rather vague to me as well.
1: Yeah. And you you have quasi governmental organizations like the uh, Greater Baltimore Committee and the uh, Baltimore uh, Development Corporation that that, in my opinion, they're they're basically uh, to, to ensure that their cronies are able to glean money from the taxpayers, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're helpful in some ways, but at the same um, at the same uh, time, they're uh, you know they, they have a they have a u- unique membership, and those memberships uh, those members actually benefit from some of the, the uh, initiatives that, that they uh, support. There was money given immediately after the riots to uh, nonprofits, and nonprofits have given money to communities um, in Sandtown-Winchester and like right after the riots, and uh, we still haven't tracked all that money you know has gone money came in from all over the world uh to uh town, winchester um real quickly um uh we do we have the the clip on in the uh in the war and drugs we'll play that and then we'll thank you
4: to people who need desperately need not just support finding work and housing and food and they need that but who also need love who also need acceptance who need to know that We believe in them and are willing to stand with them as they make a genuine break for real freedom. But of course, just building an underground railroad is not gonna be enough either. Shuttling a few to freedom, one by one, just as in the days of slavery, it wasn't enough to just build an underground railroad and usher a few to freedom. You had to be willing to work for abolition I believe that today we have got to be willing to work for the abolition of the system of mass incarceration as a whole. And that means ending the war on drugs once and for all. Just end it. We have spent a trillion dollars now waging this drug war since it began, a trillion dollars. We're constantly being told we don't have enough money to pay our teachers. We don't have enough money for job programs, for economic investment in the communities that need it most. But apparently we had a trillion dollars to blow. And we spent it locking people up, rather than investing in the communities that needed it most. So it's time to shift to a public health model for dealing with drug addiction and drug abuse and stop criminalizing what is ultimately a public health problem for some. And we've also got to end all these forms of legal discrimination against people released from prison, discrimination that denies them basic human rights to work, to shelter, and to food. But last, but not least, We have got to shift from a purely punitive approach to dealing with violence and violent crime in our communities to a more rehabilitative and restorative approach. Yes, one that takes seriously the interests of the victim, the offender, and the community as a whole. So we have got a lot of work to do. And if it feels like too much, if it feels like it just can't possibly all be done, I think we've got to keep in mind that all of these rules, laws, policies, and practices that comprise this system of mass incarceration, they all rest upon one core belief. And it is the same core belief that sustained Jim Crow. It is the belief that some of us, some of us are not worthy of genuine care, compassion, or concern. And when we effectively challenge that core belief, all of this begins to fall like dominoes. A multiracial, multiethnic human rights movement must be born, one that takes seriously the dignity and humanity of all people. And it's got to be multiracial and multiethnic. Because although this war on drugs was clearly born with black folks in mind, it is a war that has destroyed the lives of people and communities of all colors and the same racially divisive get tough politics and rhetoric that helped to birth this drug war is now leading to another prison building boom, this time aimed at suspected illegal immigrants. (laughs) So we have got to connect these dots and build a multi-racial, multi-ethnic movement on behalf of all of us. But before this movement can truly get underway, I believe a great awakening is required. We have got to collectively awaken from this colorblind slumber that we've been in to the realities of race in America. And we've got to be willing to embrace those labeled criminals, not necessarily all their behavior, but them, their humanness. For it has been the refusal and failure to recognize the dignity and humanity of all people that has been the sturdy foundation of every caste system that has ever existed in the United States or anywhere else in the world. It's our task, I firmly believe, to end not just the war on drugs, not just mass incarceration, not just any one policy or practice, but to end this history and cycle of creating caste-like systems in America. Thank you so much for having me tonight. I'm happy
1: Okay, that was uh, Michelle Alexander. Um, She's the author of the book, uh, The New Jim Crow, uh, uh, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. And um, she's, she's a civil rights uh, lawyer. She was a civil rights lawyer. She, uh, she, she was a law professor at, at Stanford. Um, that book was a bestseller, by the way. Um, and uh, she makes a lot of good points in that book. Again, if you want to know what's going on out here in regards to uh, some of the destruction that was wreaked in our communities while we slept, Doing the war on drugs, and, and again, we're about to lose a, another gener- generation of young urban blacks, okay? We're poised, and we can't afford to do that. We cannot afford to lose another generation of urban blacks, and, and uh, I, like I said, I think we've uh, stepped on that issue for the most part, and we, we as blacks. And uh, if you look at, and we were saying we were saying that, uh, okay, I see we have, we have, we have a caller.
2: Yes, uh, we have Don on the line here. Let me bring him in.
1: Yeah. How you guys doing? I feel fantastic, Donald. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, all this
5: money that's supposed to be coming to the city now—if they're not going to hire people from the city, uh, uh, experienced uh, contractors, skilled and unskilled laborers—you know—I what I mean, it's a, for me, it's a waste of money.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, Don. And um, you know, and and the the, the unemployment rate in Sandtown-Winchester for right. for for people from the ages of sixteen to sixty-four. Is fifty? I think it's fifty. Fifty-one point eight percent. Yeah, thank you, Zach. Fifty-one point eight percent. Okay. So, um, and the unemployment rate in Baltimore is seven, like seven point four percent. So, and and this is this is just people between ages of sixteen and, and sixty-four. If you just include the black males, I'm pretty sure it's even higher than that. Right. If you if you control for black males, um, I mean, we, talk, we talking about fifty percent
5: unemployment. Uh, nationwide in the uh, people of color
1: community. Right, and you, that's not counting the people that are imprisoned. So, Absolutely, so, right. So we definitely, we've we definitely got some about this problem. My recommendation is I think, I think we need a Marshall Plan to put people back to work. Uh, and, and George C. Marshall, by the way, people that are historically challenged, he was a, he's a five-star general in the Army during World War II. Right. Uh, the uh, Europe was totally destroyed after World War II. The United States pretty much uh, survived, except for Pearl Harbor and Skates. And um, so George C. Marshall came with a plan to revitalize, Europe, rebuild Germany, and w- which now has one of the greatest economies in the world. Um, and um, th- he's been that plan has been at- attributed to him, and it's called the Marshall Plan. Or,
6: you know,
5: it, but, well, well, I hope uh, I hope when everybody uh, decides who they're going to uh, elect in the general election, they pick the person who's looking
1: out for uh, poor working class people. Absolutely. Now we lost a hundred thousand uh manufacturing jobs in in Baltimore uh between uh, nineteen seventy and, and uh and uh I believe nineteen ninety nine. Uh yes, yeah, we we lost a point, you know, and, and again I worked at a lot of those places under contract. We were uh we lost uh food and machinery. We lost uh the G, the uh GM plant transmission right, and plant
5: not, and not to mention the the billions of dollars we lost in them home for closures. I mean we talking about it.
1: A lot of absolutely, money. absolutely. That that hit black people more than anybody else. Everybody was like, "Why did you take the loan out and all this kind of stuff?" But you know what? The banks got their money back. You know, <laughs> they gave the banks their money back. Okay. Absolutely. But if you were a poor person that lost your house, you lost your house. They threw you out of the street. So uh, that 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 dog don't hunt when when you give that argument. The banks were bailed out, and it's, they and they and they stopped you know extending loans for the most part to people in those communities once they were bailed out. It's time for our poor
5: and working class people to stand up and fight.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, we could, I would like to see that money. Now we do have a problem with mass incarceration. We're in denial about it as black people, but what we do have, and we're about to lose another generation again of urban black youth. My suggestion, my recommendation would be, instead of giving a nonviolent offender jail, give him a choice to go to work. You tell him you're going to work that job. You're job for five years. You're going to be there on time. Okay. You're not going to miss any time. You're not, you're going to do a, B and C or you're going to jail. You're going to do your time.
5: So, I agree. Yeah. There's no reason for anybody to lock up a teenager who hadn't committed a violent
1: on crime. crime absolutely. Nonsense. Yeah, because that doesn't happen to white kids for the most part. They're they they they, they, they they're able to hire lawyers, and they, they usually get a slap on the wrist and, you know, release Correct. back to uh, the, the custody of their parents. Take the Alpha-Wilson teen for, for a prime example. But, right. um, but yeah, they, they, it costs $37,000 to uh, house an inmate. You can tell, come on now, $37,000 to warehouse people. Right, right. And, and
5: everybody and they, talking about physical responsibility. What's responsible
1: uh, about that? Yeah, it's, it's irresponsible. It's totally irresponsible. what you're doing is you're producing a better criminal, and you're going to release him to the community with a, with a criminal record and arrest history, and he can't get a job. And by the way, we had um, mass incarceration, not mass incarceration, we had um, um, zero towers in Baltimore for years, resulting in 100,000 arrest records of people right. in the city of Baltimore. And you know those arrests were concentrated in the black community. Absolutely. You know, because they're not going to do that stuff in Roland Park, or anything in Canton or Falls Point. That's not going to happen there.
2: Yeah, that was 108,447 arrests just in 2005.
1: Right. And people say, or they'll say, oh, well, they can get jobs. job. All they got to do is try hard and all this stuff. But the surveys of employers have shown that 70% of them say, if you got an arrest record, they don't even want to talk to you. They're not even going to um, consider you at all. Okay, hey, that's the reality of it.
5: what the late Gil Scott Hines said, a revolution will not be televised. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: yeah, that that a long is, time ago. He's dead true. now. But
5: you're yeah. not going to see that on CNN and, and the rest of the major networks.
1: No, you're not, they're not going to talk about the, the reality of what's behind the, the blight in Baltimore. They're going to talk about the buildings because the buildings are visible. Okay, and people that are mass incarcerated, the prisons are out of sight, out of mind. So yeah, you're going see it, those people. It, unless you got a loved one in jail or, yep. or you've been imprisoned and you have yep. those records, you really don't care. You know, no. as long as you, your needs are met and you got a nice job somewhere, you don't care about those people. You're you know, absolutely you, you, right. Because you think it doesn't affect you. But, right, exactly. But when, when they're talking about if the trend continues of mass incarceration, one in three black males right. are going to um, do time in prison before they die. Right. then it does affect you because that means if you have three males, three black males born in your family, one of them is right. going to jail.
5: You you know I just heard I just heard uh, on the uh I think it was radio or maybe the newspaper they already got had 50 sh- killings in uh Chicago already 50 shootings man that that is that is madness
1: yeah well in Car- in Chicago 70 um percent of black men were employed in, in industrial situations same as Baltimore you know but overnight, right. overnight overnight those jobs disappeared okay and they replaced that with the war on drugs okay? right which which they instead of uh you know, coming up with uh, bailout plans and incentives, and you know, to re to retrain these people, and 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 you know, make up for the loss of jobs, the mass loss of jobs, almost overnight. Absolutely. They they decide to start arresting people, try to arrest themselves out of a problem, where most of the people, just by sheer numbers, are white. that have that problem. Right. Uh uh-uh, thank you,
2: Don.
7: Thank
8: you.
2: Okay, thank you so much for your call, Don. Next up on the line, we have Theodore. Uh, Theodore, you're on the air.
7: Yes, no longer do I live in the county, but I do agree with much of what you're saying. Now, jobs and stuff like that, uh, that's a worldwide unfortunate phenomenon,
1: and it's not going to stop. Right, it's globalization, uh, Theodore. Uh, it's called globalization. They, they take these jobs, and still pay a man or a woman $20 an hour. They'd rather take those jobs and send them overseas, pay by $0.20 cents an hour, to do the same job. Well, the sad thing about it, when you
7: tie that together... And on a spiritual basis, also. Slave labor. And you said, "My God, how (laughs) can any leader of any country allow their own people?" So that's a it's it's a sin situation, no matter where you go. But I think a suggestion. You know, some most most you guys got car. I don't have a car. I'm not in the county now, but I grew up in the city. I think one of the first things you can do toward that is one of you young people knock on the door, say, Miss Johnson. If you got to go get some from the store, I'm getting other people. I'll be taking you out to the Safeway, shop, shoppers' food warehouse, Stop shopping safe. That's called Hagood's deal. Those Korean stores <laughs> that come into York, your community, basically, if you, you, you know, start small. That's where you start because those stores are convenient. And don't believe that they come over here as they tell you. With money. It's a quid pro quo. The government of South Korea says, listen, you can have this listening post here, you can bring these troops here, you can do this, put an installation here, but you have to make sure that 2,000 of our people go into your inner cities and have these. And and that's where it's coming from. Your tax money is paying these people. That's the truth. Now, now, if you talk about uh, uh, the journey of 1,000. Uh, step begins with the a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Right. If you take those people to the stores out in the county, then you will starve those stores, and some of us will get those places because they're going to wonder why they aren't getting business. But the first thing they do, one of the first signs of a people who have been beat down for so long and just in a way don't care because they don't think they can win. They will continue with the same bad habits. I had them, but I found out this: if you did knock on Miss Johnson's door and Miss Johnson's door, enough people sooner sooner than later will get together and say, "You know something? It's cheaper for me to wait for Mr. Johnson on Friday to get my goods than going to a store for to, to to support people who not only don't speak, barely speak your language." They don't really care about you. So these large programs and things you're talking about, Marshall Plan, fine. Because if you want to look at something that didn't happen after all these countries colonized Africa, why do you think they didn't create a Marshall Plan in Africa? Because they didn't want to. Now they got U.S. troops over there. They prop up these dictators, and these dictators mistreat their own people. Thank, thank so, you, Theo. So in reference to a Marshall Plan over Theo, there— Theo. Yeah,
1: you want to close? Um, we're gonna um, give some other people a chance, but but so go ahead. Start,
7: that's what I'm saying. Just start small, and it go. It develops from there.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so thank much you. for your call, Theo. We and definitely yeah. appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, you Absolutely. can give us a call 410 Uh You can also reach out to us on Twitter. That's twitter.com/slash call Tyrone Show, and um, I was going to say, going back to what you were saying about about, uh, you know, focusing on the people and just the effect of the war on drugs. Um, I have a document here from the Justice Policy Institute and the uh, Prison Policy Initiative. And um, it says that the number of people and this is from February 2015. Uh, So the number of people in prison from the Sanchez. Uh, Sandtown Winchester Holland Park area Was 458 yeah, yeah. And um, It costs Over 16 million uh, Close to 17 million dollars To um, Go ahead And uh, House those people uh, Whereas it costs A lot less here For empl- uh, Employment training Drug rehab And uh, Housing And GED courses And things of that nature To actually focus on The people of these communities uh, So we do have Another caller Calling in uh, We have Hampton on the line, uh, thank you for calling.
6: Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. I also have a lot of problems with Koreans in the black neighborhoods. You don't see them in the white neighborhoods, only in the blacks. And they make plenty of money off of us. Assuming a person like me to have a spot out there on the corner, street pillars. they get the same police that they own just about to come down and lock you up. And you got a license, and they tell you, don't sell out there. Mm-hmm. Then they'll tell you, we catch you out there again. You're gonna get ninety days and a thousand dollar fine. And the same one that's doing it to you is our black police, and I hate that. That's the problem we have.
1: Well, we do have a lot of internalized uh, racism in, in our community. Yeah, what uh, I'm
6: saying is, you can sell me the license with the two hundred sixty-two dollars a year, right? But you're gonna tell me I can't sell Andre Koskaran and say I don't want him on the corner. He's taking my money. Then you'll come up there and are going to humiliate me and tell me I can't be out there. Well, A black going to a black.
1: Right, but you, what you just articulated is the same thing that's going on with the war on drugs. You have people... There's only a certain amount of people that you can sell to if, you, if you're selling dope in a particular neighborhood. So that if you try to sell in somebody's um, neighborhood, you, another crew shows up, they're going to, it's going to result in violence because you're yeah, taking away their well, money. Yeah, just had a problem so, with
6: the guys on the motorcycle. All right. The white guys on the motorcycle One got killed Okay But nobody got locked up Then they had one Maybe three months ago Same thing again White guys On the motorcycles They don't get locked Only black people get locked up Peace guys Alright thank, thank, thank you so much for, for, for you call.
2: your call So um, we're about halfway Through the show now We're going to take a quick uh, Station break uh, Here uh, For a quick message uh, From BPPW
1: Did your air conditioning Go bust this summer? What do you need a new furnace for the coming winter? I
9: think you better call Tyrone. Oh.
2: Those other companies tried to reduce my family's bank account to zero. But when we called Tyrone, he became our hero.
1: Hello, this is Tyrone, owner of BPPW, telling you don't be overcharged for your air conditioning and heating installations. BPPW can install a new furnace. Heat pump or air conditioning system at very reasonable rates. Don't wait until icicles are hanging off your nose this winter. Call BPBW now at 410 978.
2: Six eight eight nine. We currently offer a 10-year warranty on parts and labor and a lifetime warranty on compressors for air conditioning and heat pump installations. You may qualify for a 30% tax rebate on some installations. So, before you go with the other guys, call Tyrone now at 410-978-6889.
1: Yeah, that's uh BPPW, my company one of the actually we're the we are the best uh, HVAC company on the East Coast. <laughs> In the world, actually. <laughs> but but any anyway, rate, uh Leroy, you're kinda quiet back there. You wanna uh you know, we got something yeah. you wanna add. Go ahead.
3: Um, yeah, so um, you know, going back to um, you know, um people who have been incarcerated, um, and their issues with employment, um, a nonprofit deconstruction company called details. They pitched, um, they pitched themselves to, uh, to city delegates, um, late last month. And apparently they have about 75% of their employees were formerly incarcerated. And they're claiming that they can take on as many as 300 projects from the city to deconstruct, um, a lot of these vacant, um, houses all throughout the city.
1: Okay. I, that, that's, that's great. Leroy. Um, and, and uh, That's a good thing that they use an ex-offenders, but um, there's a (laughs) but. I'd rather, I'd much rather see um, them. Now, deconstruction is a low-level skill. I mean, you can can learn that very quickly. What I'd like to see them train these people to do, as well as deconstruction, of course, use ex-offenders for that. But I want to see see them use ex-offenders to give them training. Give them training in, in, in careers like plumbing. Uh, being electricians, all it, t- all it takes all that to rebuild houses. And there's a shortage of affordable housing in Baltimore City. Some of that money can be actually be used to uh, to to rebuild some of these houses because there are very few. My, my brother actually buys houses and he re um, he rebuilds them and 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 puts them back in good shape. Buys them a low amount of money and he uh, he puts he re, re he renovates these houses and he can take almost any house. He said there's almost no house in Baltimore City he could he can't take and. Uh, you know, make it into a livable house. And those houses are quite nice when he finishes with. Um And uh, one of the people that I deal with under contract is, is a, is a you know, it's a, Chinese and Asian guy. Or um, his wife has, has told me that um, she wants to buy a hundred houses in the Baltimore. And these houses are dirt cheap, by the way. Some of them are like going as low as $3,000. She wants to buy a hundred houses in in the Baltimore area. And that's her goal. And she, when she finishes these houses, I put AC systems in some of them, some of them. And, uh, Heating systems in a lot of them. And when she finishes, and the only reason they use me probably is because they can't find anybody else's license to do that. But they use other people for, for those low level skills. But she she when they finish those houses, those houses are beautiful. Those houses are beautiful. And they move and for the most part, they move in Section 8 people in them. And they don't stay vacant for no more than three or four weeks. So there is a need for affordable housing in Baltimore City. And, the, and it seems like the answer is to tear our houses down in our communities and gentrify the, the uh, community like they did in DC.
2: Right, and I do think one of the concerns uh, with this plan is that uh, there have been um, there have been plans to go ahead and use uh, ex uh, felons or felons for the deconstruction of houses, but then when it comes to reconstructing them, oftentimes they're deconstructing houses in their own communities, and then once they deconstruct the houses, other developers are coming in to rebuild.
1: And they're getting laid off, and <laughs> and, and,
2: and they get laid off, and then they don't have a community to come back to and live.
1: Let, hold on, is that Charles?
2: Yeah, that's okay, Charles. Okay, on j- the just, air.
1: Hold, just hold on, Charles. Um, I'm, I'm coming right at you. I just want to add something to that. Mm-hmm. And then this is what people don't know. A lot of these jobs, they got plumbers making over $30 an hour, okay? Electricians making over, th- I know these people, making over $30 an hour, training electricians. Of course, you're a journeyman. You you have, you know, X amount of years of school. In order to be a journeyman, you got to have, like, three years of school, and, and you got to have, uh, according to the state of Maryland. Right. And you got to have a, uh, um, um, on a, hand, on, a job, on a job training, three years of that to get your journeyman's license. And these people are licensed. They're making 30 and in some cases, forty thousand an hour, depending on where they're working, you know, in the industry. So we're we're sleeping on these jobs, and um, so these aren't these aren't these people are, are driving into Baltimore from the suburbs, and they're taking their money with them back to the suburbs with your taxpayer dollars. If you live in Baltimore City, that doesn't that money doesn't belong to to the um, the city of Baltimore. That money belongs to you. That is your money. They are just stewards of that money. They're supposed to be shepherding, shepherding that money, um, to you know. To, to, to invest it, you know, back into your communities. But for the most part, other people are benefiting in the city. Now, House Speaker Michael Bush said in regards to that money, that the money, $700 million, he, he said he called it very beneficial for the governor to step up and help meet the needs of the mayor. I say I, I don't care about the, the mayor's needs. I mean, this is how these people are thinking. He's trying to help meet the needs of the mayor. That's what Bush is saying. I could care less, about the mayor's fine. She's going to be fine, people. You don't have to worry about the mayor. She's got a law degree, she's going to be fine she, no matter what happens there. she's got a good experience as mayor of Baltimore. She, she's going to be fine. What, I, what I'm worried about is some of these people with no opportunities are stuck in these in these, these ghetto neighborhoods and rack with violence and joblessness uh, studies have shown and, and there's, there's a book, uh, God, when jobs disappear and um, it, it, they actually did a study and it showed that when when people had worked, black men that work there are no more violent than white men that work. Hmm. So a lot of this violence is associated with joblessness. People when people don't have work, they find guess what they find other things to do. They like to eat just like you do. They like they they see stuff on TV they want it just like you want it.
3: So right, Well, you I'll, you know, i would well, say at least when it comes to some of these non organizations that do help um formerly incarcerated people get jobs, it's um that's very important. I mean, it, it it is important. So, at least for some of them it could be it could provide a start, you know, because some of them do uh support um, you know, nonprofit counseling services to keep them out of jail as well.
1: As long as they, as long as they stick, stick around for the rebuilding process, <laughs> don't just lay them all when you're done. Oh well, yeah, that's for true. slave labor. Uh, right. Go ahead, go ahead, uh,
2: Charles. Okay, Charles, you're on the line.
1: Hello.
10: Yeah, yes. Charles. Go ahead. You're on. Well, I mean, we talk a lot about our problems.
9: But our problem yes, we is that we they're killing done. us. They kill us in so many different ways. The old people, and the young people, our babies, and everything. Until and so we get to the point where we can stop them from doing that, then we can make our way into the economics. I'm saying, I believe in the black God, and I pray to that black God that he
5: exterminate these white animals. It destroys <laughs> okay.
1: okay. Thank, you. Okay. Thank <laughs> you
2: so much, Charles.
5: No, Look, um, let,
1: let me let me say something real quick. Go ahead. Okay. Let me say something real quick. Um... Don't Look, people think that you know I, and a lot of people have told me that. Then why are you always talking this this black stuff? You must hate. I don't hate white people. All right, I don't hate anybody. Um, And and I think racism, for the most part, is is, you know is up to white people to eliminate. When 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 black people move to when white people move to a black neighborhood, the black people don't move out. They don't because most most black people don't have a problem with white people. I just want to make that clear. They they actually you got people talking about they're not black they're exotic and all kinds of stuff going on out here. But there are documented evidence that white people, in some cases, when black people move to the they will move out. So so to me, the problem of racism is something that's got to be solved by white by, by, uh, folks. And I don't want people to get to start thinking about thinking this show is just something that we, we just hate all white people. There are white people of goodwill that see this problem and understand it. Uh, in a lot of cases, they're, they're the most people in the audience that Michelle Alexander's uh, speaking t- uh, tours. It's all mostly right. white. There's rarely black people in there. And then we're sleeping on that.
2: All right, and now uh, we don't advocate the uh, extermination no of anyone, anybody. Um, uh-huh. but um, we're going to go to the next caller. Uh, Marcus, you're on the line. Hello? Hello, Marcus.
5: Yeah, this is Marcus. Hi,
2: okay, hi.
5: here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. This is not their jobs. You don't think so? Ask the, pa- ask the Pakistanis. Ask the Koreans. Ask, ask, ask any of them. Them, them high-tech jobs. Ask any of
1: them. Okay, down. okay, Marcus, no, Marcus, it ain't no Marcus, you. Marcus. It ain't we, no, Marcus no. Can I say something here? Yeah, they yeah, you're right. They're playing jobs. And, as a matter of fact, the unemployment rate in, in Maryland is 5.3 percent, or and, and in Baltimore, 7.4 percent. But okay. in Sandtown, Winchester, is 54. It's 51.8 percent. And the main reason is because a lot of those people are disqualified from those jobs because of their criminal histories and arrest records. Okay. A lot of times you can't get these jobs that, that these people are getting because they'll disqualify. And a lot of times when they promise us these jobs, when they want to build a horseshoe casino or whatever, and they're telling you that it's going to bring jobs to the mirror, they're laughing at you because they already know that a lot of us have been disqualified from these jobs because of zero to- things like zero tolerance, policing, et cetera.
11: Okay. Let me say this one
1: thing then.
11: Okay. You
5: can give me $47,000 a year. Mm-hmm. To house me in a prison, but you can't give me a five thousand dollar scholarship or twelve thousand dollars. Right, right. I agree.
1: I agree with that. I agree. I agree that that they should have better. I, I, I Marks, I agree with what you're saying. Your premise. I believe that they should have a better way of handling the problem of of high crime because crime is a, is is driven by poverty. Okay. okay. Crime well, is a function of, thing,
5: of poverty. Rich people don't crime. Make... International bankers. International bankers. The big boys, i are talking about the big, 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 big boys. Are they lending
2: any money to you? Right, we do understand. Thank you so much for your call, Marcus. Yeah, Our lines are lit up year. right now. Have a great day. Um, next, we're going to get Tommy on the line. Tommy, you're on. All
9: uh, right, thanks
1: for taking my call.
2: No problem.
9: Is this Bubby I'm speaking This on the line?
1: Bubby? <laughs> no, this is Tyrone. And then, uh, are you Tyrone? Yeah, yes. Yes, I am. And this is Zachary, oh, yeah. uh, Zachary Leacock and uh, Leroy Myers, who's in Oklahoma right now. So there are actually people I mean, in Oklahoma yeah, listening. Can I finish? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. And let me finish real quick. But there are actually people listening to this broadcast from Oklahoma. And in, in, in Virginia, there's a lot of people listening. So when you're saying this stuff, um, it's the worst getting out to people, okay? And there's a lot of people sleeping, but we're, we're trying to wake them up, and we're trying to pull the curtain back on what's hidden in clear sight. And that's and What goal. I
9: wanted to say, jump in if you don't mind.
1: Go ahead. Uh, is that
9: the person that said that they're going to buy a thousand houses?
1: Was, she said a hundred houses. At that. 100. I'm sure that you do. Look She's, at her very closely. She said a hundred houses.
9: That's part of a system, you understand, based on what you said earlier, what was talked about earlier, of using uh, uh, peoples as we know who they are, to deconstruct. And what happens is the jobs... Migrate to suburbs or to Pennsylvania, but what my concern is that there's a solution that's available to us. You understand? If we sit down and strategize, and since you are in the business, I know that you understand what I'm saying. It's based on a management structure to manage the system. You understand from an administrative standpoint that there's not overburdened with cost so that it strips the people and, over, and overburden with profit, you understand that They're going to take out on the front end and pick up the, uh, the residuals, you understand, on the back end, which means that the people who need a full the house are never going to get it. The money's always going to be made in the front of the deal and minimally in the back of the deal and the quality of the housing, which is what I balk about, and I do know a lot about what most people are talking about. So okay. I don't talk from air; you understand? I talk from practicality.
1: Okay, 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 Tom, you section. wanna um, you wanna wrap your point up because I we got people speak on that. But yeah, Tyron,
9: then I know how to contact you. Sure,
1: sure. All All right. feel free to.
9: Thank you, sir. I'll listen to your commentary.
1: Thank
2: you. Thank you so much And uh, once again uh, You can reach out to us On Twitter and Facebook At Call Tyrone Show Next up We have Lee on the line Lee how's it going
8: Okay Good afternoon fellas
2: Good afternoon Good afternoon,
8: Lee. Good afternoon. Uh, since You guys are in the Heating and air conditioning I was wondering If um You guys could tell me If uh The, the names you hear As far as Quote unquote uh, The Cadillac of the industry For example Um Coming from a layperson, just repeating what I hear like uh courier or train, if they're worth considering as top of the line for heating and air conditioning, okay, <laughs> we're
1: getting into me advertising somebody's product well, um, no, no, yeah no, well, so well, okay i I will well, tell you this I, I i will tell you this um a lot of the units that they're making now, you know even even a goodman are comparable to a, to to a courier. train, you know uh, you know. It's, they're about average. You know, carriers probably top, you know, probably top of the line, you know, but they, they're, they're more expensive than a lot of these units. Right. And right. I don't like to, I don't like to recommend units, no, no, but not, the, no, the no, ones no, that no, they...
8: No, that's not what I'm asking. No. What not, I'm trying to find out, if there's a such thing, quote unquote, as a Cadillac of the industry as far as heating and air in general,
1: um, I'd rather not, you need to do your research on the end. I'd rather not um, put that out there because this show is not no, no, about no, that's eating do no, no, no. per se.
8: I, I don't need for you to mention the name, What I'm trying to find out is there's, quote unquote, a such thing in your industry?
1: There are people that say, there are people that say, um, carrier is probably the best product, but I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay, okay but, I will tell you that.
8: But uh, uh, but I the, understand if you get something that's comparable, it'd be cheaper. I understand that, but that's, the, you know, you, you know, in America, for the most part, you get what you pay for. Absolutely
2: right. So, uh, thank you so much for your call. All right. Thank um, you. Next up on the line, we have uh, we have Lady Maggie. Lady Maggie, you are now on the line.
12: Peace and blessings to all of you. <laughs>
1: How's it going, Maggie?
12: And I'm wonderful, <laughs> just like we all are. Right. This is the first time I heard your show.
1: Oh yeah, we've had two shows already. Oh yeah. And they, oh, yes, good. they were half hour shows, but. We we've, we've come to realize that we don't have enough time for calls when we do it, when we do the half hour. We did one Dr. Oh. King's birthday and we did one on, on a snow day. I wasn't okay. in the studio that day, but I was trying to do it from home. and It was kind of a little. It was kind of difficult to do that because I couldn't hear. It.
12: Well, you're representing well, because I hear your thoughts, and uh, they make me go to the time that we're in now. And, uh, you know, everybody's trying to get us to vote, 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 but they haven't given us anything to vote for. They haven't put any issues that we've discussed as a community. We have not voted on the issues we want to make a demand on, and then what... Uh, person who's running wants to meet that demand, you know? And uh, one of the things I think about, because I'm six generations plus eight, is I see these uh, people in politics. They hold the people's uh, public seats, and we have invested in them, but uh, they haven't done anything for quality life. For instance, you have people being evicted from their housing unlawfully. You have people who have their uh, energy service, BGE, turned off unlawfully because you have the human right to quality life.
1: Absolutely. And, and what we, what happens a lot of times is, is is politicians, they get in the office, and they get too comfortable. I, I, I'm for, personally, I'm for term limits. I think that you should go in the office. You should do great things and be gone, Okay. Do do great things and be gone. Okay, just me there, you shouldn't be sitting up there
12: making
1: making a career, making a career out of out of politics. Go in there, and save the world, what, and go.
12: And Let's Miles have a wanna, turn. Tyrone, you know what they want to do? What's that? They want to make sure their bills
1: are paid. <laughs> Absolutely, it becomes a job instead of public service.
12: Yes, and they want to go to dinners and say that they were out to dinner with uh, this one and that one, but then they want to do individual things for somebody who called them instead of doing something for the collective. Like I said, no evictions, no BGNE turnoff. That is so cruel and inhumane in the millennium. As-
1: absolutely, right. and thank you for your call, Matt.
2: Thank you so much for your thank call. I'll you a chance. Okay, so um, in these last couple of minutes, you can uh, call 410-481-1010 to reach out to us on the Call Tyrone Radio Show. Um, Now, we have Charles calling back in. Um, I'm going to let you get on the line, Charles, but you can't say uh, anything like you said before. Uh, Just make your point on topic and uh, you're on the line.
10: Yes, this is a different Charles. Okay.
1: okay. Hey, Charles. You know, Charles is a very popular name. Yeah, yeah I know. So is Tyrone, uh, Charles. I know where yeah, you come uh, from. My well, situation is, um, you know who the Long Ranger is, right? The Lone Ranger is, is this white guy hanging with an Indian that's supposed to um, fight with truth versus American way with silver bullets. Go ahead.
10: Well, that's not who the Long Ranger is. Who is that's it? That's who the Long Ranger is portrayed to be. Right, right, right. Go ahead. The, the Long Ranger was actually a black man. So what, what I'm calling... I'm not even is, trying to...
1: I'm not even to touch that one, Joe. But you need to elaborate on that one. I've well, never heard that before. I've never a minute, black man. Point.
10: Let me get to the point. Go ahead. What <laughs> I'm saying is, is that white people always take on a real black person. They impersonate somebody that was real when they're black. But black people, we only impersonate fake white people, some character that was made up in somebody's mind. So when we look at these heroes that these white people are putting up to us, most of them were actually black people. Even when you talk about um, Zeus and, and and all of these um, other great gods, they were all black. Okay, okay. But they've been changed white.
1: Charles, could you could you uh, make go ahead and make your point? I know you got you're hitting somewhere. I'm just. Well,
10: well, 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 Sometimes you need food for thought, and that is your food for thought. The Long Ranger and Tonto were both
1: black. Okay, thank you, Charles. Thank hey you everybody. So the Long Ranger and Tonto were both black people. And by the way, um, Santa Claus was black too. If you, if you, <laughs> the um, I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not Santa Claus, but Saint Nicholas, the the guy, the, uh, and you can look this up. You can Google it. Saint Nicholas was uh, is often depicted as being a moor, a moor. He actually is reported that he was a Moor. So Saint Nicholas. Is is actually a black man? Look at Google. Don't don't believe me when I say something on the air. Look, you know, just uh, check me on it. And um, he gave the, he gave up all his wealth to uh, poor people. And um, a lot of times, when the German ing- immigrants would say what the custom over for Christmas would say, uh, Saint Nicholas. A lot of people thought they were saying Santa Claus. Okay, so that's how the term Santa Claus. But the character that you see with the white beard, that's based on on the uh, the the, um, the Norse god Odin. <laughs> it's not, it's not um, um, the true depiction of St. Nicholas, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. But I, 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 as I've said before, white people are always welcome, you know, uh, to, to render their assistance to us, you know, and that, that's always been the case. If you look at some of the civil rights clips, you'll see that the white people actually worship Dr. King in a lot of cases.
2: Okay, so uh, next up on the line, we have Leo. Leo, you're now on the air.
1: Yes, so good evening. Uh, how
11: are you? All right, right, Leo. Leo, how are you doing there, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, Just uh, an announcement and a comment. Uh, The Committee of Concerned Citizens, of which I'm chair, is meeting on Thursday night of this week, the 4th at 7 p.m. at 3910 Main Avenue, the Liberty Elementary School Recreation Center. And we are fashioning, we've almost completed an agenda uh, that we think areas of concern that people who are going to vote should focus on when they vote for candidates. We're not telling people who to vote for. They can vote for anybody they want to vote for. But we think there are issues that speak to a need for a black agenda, and that's what we're working to make happen.
1: I like like that, Leo. I mean, uh, Leo, I I, I like that. And you know what? I I believe in term limits, okay? I think you should do... If it's good enough for the governor and the president of the United States, it's good enough for those yahoos that that go in there and stay in in the office for life.
11: And I agree. (laughs) I agree with you about term limits, and I will say that this question of accountability, it doesn't make sense to vote if you're not going to follow the records and the accomplishments or lack thereof of people in the city council or the
8: or, the or, state or out.
11: anywhere Because <laughs> if you're not going to follow what they're doing, why did you vote for them? You've got to know when to put them out of office or whether to keep them. And most people don't push the issue of accountability. They act as if they're scared of the people whose salaries they're paying. Absolutely. And that should not
1: be. And those people are there to service us. They they're, are public the, they are <laughs>
11: they're public servants. They're public <laughs>
1: servants.
11: <laughs> and we don't hold them accountable, and we're scared to open our mouths.
1: Sc- we want them to be our rulers, uh, as, Leo. <laughs>
11: as in the case of Paul Graziano and the mayor, uh, among other things. This whole circus that's going on here is ridiculous. The man should have been gone. Well, He should go out that door, and we should run him out on a rail for his racist leadership as housing commissioner of Baltimore City.
1: Well, Leo... There's, there's, we lack accountability in a lot of issues. We had a police officer spit on a citizen in front of a crowd of uh, Baltimoreans, <laughs> you know, just recently. And, and he was a 35 year veteran. So you can, and he was surrounded by other police officers. So you can imagine the thinking that goes on the culture in the police department. If he, if a police officer was a 35 year veteran, is showing the younger officers how to treat a, a, a black citizen in Baltimore City.
11: And they don't live here, 90% of them live in Pennsylvania or somewhere, Virginia, or some county. They don't live in the city that's paying their salaries. And the same is true of the fire department. You've got people from the fire department of Baltimore City coming from New York. we got to stop that foolishness.
1: I would say most of, them, most of the cabinets, not all of them, are, from out, are out of town. So out of town, you, and right. that's because the people who
11: we have
1: been elected, who've been in office for 10, 15, and
11: 20 years, I'm looking at Kathy Pugh, I'm looking at a whole bunch of folks, including the mayor, 20 years or more, they've allowed that condition to prevail because they're scared of white folks and they're scared to stand up. That cowardliness should not be rewarded.
1: Absolutely. And God bless. Uh, g- thank you. Thank you, Leo, for calling. Me. I really appreciate it. And uh, Leo always has something good to say, and I'm glad he called. Uh.
2: Yes, um, so... Um, we have another caller coming in on the line, uh, and this will be our last call as we have about five minutes left. So, uh, Tony, you're now on the line.
5: Yes, my problem is, uh, is with a supposedly black radio station that refuses, especially the morning show, to inform citizens on any information that's pertinent to our community. Uh, this radio station had a, had a saying: uh, "Information is power." And I don't, I don't hear. I, I, I hardly hear anything coming out of Flint, Michigan. I mean, people are, are, are organizing, Right,
2: sir. Uh, we centers. don't, we don't speak for the radio station here. On I the, know, uh, I
5: know you don't speak for the radio. I'm just, I'm just inventing my frustrations. I don't, I don't. See, I don't expect you to speak for the radio station because everybody that comes on this station seems to
1: uh, block for Mesa, the racist Jew. Okay, so, hang that
2: up. you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, All right. Thank look, you so much for your call. This Tony. is
1: not. This this show is not to vent hatred of any people. Let me make that clear. I mean, if you have a point to make, and uh, you, I will allow you to make that point. But if it involves any type of racism of anybody, my my problem is 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 that the the impoverished communities that we live in in our city and and the people that are stuck in poverty, it has nothing to do with hatred of anybody. And as I said, white people of goodwill who understand the problem, they're more than welcome to, to to help us. You know, in our time in our time of need, we, we, we're poised to lose another generation of urban black youth. We, we live in communities that are war-torn. It's the war on drugs. You know, the, the same way that the Marshall Plan was used to rebuild Europe. We need to rebuild our cities. And uh, we have a large, large population of people who are unemployable right now. We have too many problems to be worried about, you know, venting hatred of people, you know, because they're, they're, they're racist. And also, I, you know, I don't hate white people. I work with white people. I've supervised them. I've worked for them. Uh, but I do know that there are people that don't have our best interests at heart, and what you said about Flip Michigan, yeah, that's that's an example, prime example of that. Right. You know, go ahead, Zach. Yeah, uh, you know,
3: this, uh, go ahead, Leroy. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I was, I was just uh, going to say that you know th- th- this isn't racism; this is a racially conscious show. Absolutely, absolutely, and a lot of the
1: the uh, pathologies that we're discussing is 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 uh, is impacting black people, and that's why we're bringing to uh, the attention of people who may be sleeping on it. I know people listen to this radio station. That have some power to to impact what we're talking about,
2: right? And in addition, uh, a lot of these points that we're making are economic type of points that affect the black community. And when you follow the money, that's where you get to the root of what's actually happening in the city. Uh, so when you're not saying anything that's not based on facts, it's just b- uh, blatant racism, right? Or opinion, it, right? Or opinion, and you don't know, not
1: informed opinion, but just just broken bl- down stuff. Your hate, personal hatreds of people. I mean, we can't we can't sit for that because we don't want people hating us.
2: Right. Um, that's right. exactly what we're fighting against. And we can't um, become what we hate. And there have to be real solutions to these problems here. Uh, so Tyrone has you know, presented actual solutions to things that we can actually uh, accomplish here through policies and procedures and not just uh, speculation and just talking trajectory. out of thin air.
1: Yeah. What Dr. King said is the law can't make you love me, but the law can stop you from killing me. Okay, so the policy. When you go to when you go to po- politicians, you politicians handle policy. Part the root word for politician is policy. Okay, when you start talking about love and stuff and intangibles, you're telling them not to do their job. That's what you're basically what you're saying. Their their job is not love. That's God's job. Okay, so their job is to enact policy, and if they can't enact policy for us, they are not much help for us.
2: Okay, so we have uh, about a minute left. Um, any closing uh, statements before we uh, end the show?
1: I can't, I can't uh, reiterate it enough that we have large po- uh, populations of unemployable people because of these arrest records and stuff. We have to do something about it. We need, we need a plan, a Marshall plan to put these people back to work because unemployment and joblessness breeds violence and that and crime. For the most part. And if you're if you're a drug addict and you have a two hundred dollars a day habit, guess what? You gotta commit two hundred dollars a day worth of crime.
2: And then if you've been arrested for uh, drugs And you've been charged um, or you have a felony on your record, then you can't go back and get a job. So now you have to commit more crime. So it's a self-perpetuating cycle, which is why we uh, harp so hard on the point of uh, ending the war on drugs.
1: Absolutely. And then you put in when you incarcerate people, you put them in survival mode when you throw them back
3: out on the street
2: with no hope. All right. So we have about 20 seconds left uh, here on the line.
3: Yeah. Leroy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quickly. Um, also, this issue with education and the closing of, you know, the closing of several schools um, within uh, the Baltimore City public school system also is something that has to be addressed in this whole phenomenon with uh, ghost students.
1: OK. And thank you all for, for joining our show. And this concludes this segment of The Call of Tyrone. Join us next week at two.
2: Thank you so much. And for anybody who couldn't make it on the line, reach out to us, twitter.com, facebook.com slash Call Tyrone show. Have a great day.
7: Have a great day.